morning as we've been coming in God's presence. Sorry. Uh, there's several things that have been on my mind that has transpired. One is a kosher testimony. And I don't know if you caught it, but this had a huge impact on me when he said this was the first church that sent him out. And I don't know about you, but that hit me. I'm going, wow. Lord, what a privilege and what a responsibility. And I couldn't help it, but my, my mind just jumped ahead to eternity. And I was just seeing this church with him sitting down, talking about what God did through this partnership. And so I think it's, uh, it's good just to say, let's run with that partnership. Go as deep as you can. Go as far as you can in the power of the Holy Spirit to see God's kingdom come, God's will done in these camps. And just ask yourself, how can you go deeper in that relationship, uh, especially when I think of the prayer cover that is needed for people that go into that? I just encourage you with that. The other thing was uh, when Cole was just talking about next week, how we're going to have a time really just to hear from one another. And I'm really excited about that. There's just something special when, when the Holy Spirit is working in individuals' lives and to be able to share that with one another. Uh, so come ready. <laughs> God put something on your heart to be able to, to share that. Uh, usually we come, we say to one another, hey, how was your week? It was good. It was busy. Usually we get that word busy. <laughs> that comes a lot. Mine was busy. You know, yesterday was the day of tolerance for the UAE. And so there's a lot of things going on. And last night there was a, a huge program in uh, Umm al-Marat Park down in Mushraf. Uh, Sheikh Nakhyan was there and talking about the, the tolerance uh, strategy for the UAE in these months to come, and it was, it was really, really, really good. And in the morning yesterday, I was actually with a group of uh, pastors at the judicial department, and yesterday morning, there was an agreement signed between the Coptic Church, Evangelical Church, and the UAE, uh, basically the judicial system, talking about how people will be treated. Because what the UAE government is saying is we don't want to treat Christians under Sharia law. We want to treat Christians under Christian law. And especially when it comes to things like if you have to write a will, they want you to be able to write a will that works according to your country and where you come from. And so these were some of the things that were processed yesterday, and this was just the ceremony to be able to say, hey, this happened and a desire of the judicial department to want to work with the Christians. Again, I'm just blown away every time this kind of stuff happens. So they had a a wonderful ceremony. You walked into the theater, and they gave you a flower. Isn't that nice? Of course, I brought mine home to Teresa. And after that, we went and we had uh, a little uh, uh, snacks and drinks, 
And then we got to meet uh, the lady who is the head of human rights for Abu Dhabi. And she basically said, anything that you have, any problem having to do with people being put down for their nationality or not getting justice, that's why we're here. Come to us. I thought, again, they're reaching out to the Christians. And so after that little time of snacks, they took us on a tour. It's a massive, massive building. If you've been ever, I don't know, any of you are over in the court system over there. And we ended up in the library, 10,000 volumes, all these books around. And it just been a wonderful morning. And so it came to that time, and they said, well, we're, we're done. Thank you for coming. And you know when you have those little spiritual nudges? That little nudge came to our group. This is our time to actually bless them and pray for them. And so we said, you know, we're all pastors here. Would you mind if we just prayed for you? We would like to bless you and your work in this place. And there's about 8 to 12 Emiratis there, men and women, and their faces just went, really? You want to pray for us? I said, yeah, we'd like to pray for you. And the guy said, here? Right here? <laughs> I said, yeah, why not? And then Pastor Joseph just gave an incredible prayer of blessing on them and a thanksgiving to God for them and what they're doing. And he stopped praying, and there was just this one lady, and she just put her hand on her heart. Wow, that just touched me so deeply. And then Joseph said, you know, we're going to have a Christmas party and lots of singing, and you're all welcome to come. Really, when is it going to be? And, you know, every one of us here, we have a sphere of influence, don't we? We have friends, we have people that... We can just say, Lord, use me today. What is it going to be? It can be in the camps. It can be in the palaces. It can be in the workplace, in your neighborhood, where you drop your kids off, wherever it is. Just to say, God, would you use us for your glory today in this place? Well, as we come to this next section in Colossians, we're still in the practical category. We've had this incredible picture of grace, where we've seen how Onesimus and Mark and the grace that was in their lives. We have seen how Paul had this grace for people that he'd never even met yet and has been writing instructions and praying intensely for the people in Colossae. And then we had this doctrinal portion where Paul is explaining to us who Jesus is, what he did for us on the cross, how he has shifted us, transferred us from this domain of darkness and over to this kingdom of light. Now, this is, this is where we are now. And as a result of that and his death on the cross for us, he gave us challenges that we've been going through, hard challenges these last couple weeks, putting to death those sins, putting on Christ. And then he's coming to a part now where he wants to talk specifically in the household type of a situation. And so there's going to be some specific words for wives. There's going to be some specific words for husbands, some specific words for the youth and children, and some specific words for us that are in the workplace. 
Now here he calls them slaves. Sometimes we feel like that. I don't, but maybe you do in the workplace. But there are principles there. And all of these things go back to the concept of love. That's why I wanted to start our reading this morning in 1 Corinthians 13, where we can go back to that number one priority, which is love. That first of all and foremost, we are loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then we're loving one another. And all that he's been talking about here is in that context of love. And so the background for this new community in Colossae is that you had people coming from different nationalities, different social backgrounds, economic backgrounds. All this is happening, and as they have come in to the body of Christ, they are now in a new realm. There's new rules of who we are because there is equal value and equal dignity because everyone has been created in the image of God, and we are saved only by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul says this in Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. He says, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. That's that oneness. That's that body. But it's important here that we focus that that verse is talking about our salvation and our spiritual oneness eternally with the triune God. It's not talking about roles. And it's not talking about gifts. It's not talking about sexuality. There are people today in the gay community who are claiming this verse. There is no male There is no female. That's why we can do what we want to do. This verse is not talking about any of those issues. It's talking about spiritual position in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Paul, as he's talking about this spiritual position, we need to also remember that in God's created world, there is order. We see this in 1 Corinthians in chapter 11, verse 3. Paul says this, I want you to understand, we've got to get this, understand this, that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. Within God's kingdom, there's order. Maybe the one that is the most challenging is when we think of the head of Christ is God. And here we have this picture of the Holy Trinity, perfect in unity, harmony, love, total equality, and yet, even within the Godhead, there's a difference of roles. There is an order. Wayne Grudem, the theologian, explains it this way. Just as the Father and Son 
are equal in deity and are equal in all their attributes, but different in role, so husband and wife are equal in personhood and value, but are different in the roles that God has given them. Just as God the Son is eternally subject to the authority of God the Father, so God has planned that wives would be subject to the authority of their own husbands. See, the world tries to tell us today that we have to choose between equality and authority, that we can't have both. And yet, Scripture's teaching us that even within the Godhead, within the Holy Trinity, there is equality and there is authority. And as we move into this time of now talking about individual roles that God has given, I'm very aware of my role here. I feel totally, completely equal with the elders. But you know what? I am under the authority of the elders. That is part of order that God has created. So as we look now in verse 18 of chapter 3, we begin with wives. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. As we go through this, I would like to kind of refer over to Ephesians because we have a parallel passage in Ephesians that brings uh, some light into some of these uh, verses. And so over in Ephesians, in chapter 5, it says this. Pretty much the same thing. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Wives, I think it goes back to that initial thing of of loving God. In loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, Jesus said, if you love me, you obey my commandments, and you walk in that. To love God is recognizing that order. And we realize that that order has been abused tremendously. But just what is a picture? If I just gave you a picture, what what does it look like, Teresa and I, in our home, how we're working through this? There's a very clear, in a sense, submission, Teresa, to myself. But we're husband and wife. We're one. And when we talk about decisions, we talk about that together. We pray about things together. We discuss it together. And we're moving forward together. Yes, as a husband, I am that spiritual head. But at the same time, we also recognize in our marriage that there are things that she is better than I am. Much better than I am. Finance is one of those issues. The car is in her name. The house is in her name. We have a bank account somewhere. I don't know where it is. I have no idea if we have any money. Do we have any money in the bank account? (laughs) She runs it. When we come to do the offering, the people that do it regularly, they don't even stop at me. They go right past me to Teresa. 
So there are things that are happening there. It's not a doormat type of submission. That is what the world is talking about. We're talking about a loving submission because our God has said to us, I've created this to work complementarily together. So let's move on. Verse 19 says, Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Husbands, love your wives. Wow. Do you know what he says in the parallel passage in Ephesians? He qualifies what that means, men, and what that looks like. He says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Christ left glory to come down to this place to go through his beatings, to go through the mockings, to go through the scourging, to go through the cross because he loved the Father and obeyed him and because he loved all of us men. And he's saying that is how you are to love your wives. That's the standard. And when he gives that command, it's actually a present active imperative. (laughs) Every second, every minute, every hour, every day, present tense, be loving your wives. He said, don't be harsh with them. That word harsh, it means to cause something to become bitter. Men, that's not your role. Poor leadership will cause bitterness. And the world is full of broken marriages because of it. Husband, love your wives. Remember back in the 90s, there was a very, very famous coach in America. He was coach of of American football. And then they had won national championships. His teams were was undefeated. He was at literally the pinnacle of his career with incredible recognition, recognition across the country. And during a season, things were going very well in the season, still undefeated. And he's a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he was excited to be going to church next week because, one, they were undefeated. He could talk about that. But the second thing was that they were having a guest speaker. And when they talked about the guest speaker coming, they said this man is going to share the most important thing of his 40 years in ministry. And he wanted to hear it. And so his testimony, this coach, is that he's sitting there in church and he's listening to the preacher. And the preacher basically said this, Do you want to know if a man has character or not? All you need to do is look in his wife's countenance because everything he has invested or withheld 
will be in her face. Almighty God has mandated that every man bring his wife to splendor in Jesus Christ. And then here's this testimony of the coach. He says, and I turned and I looked at Lindy. We'd been married many years. I didn't see splendor. I saw torment. I didn't see contentment. I saw anguish. I was exposed in my wife's face. And you know what he did? He quit his job. Stunned the sports world in America. But he realized as a husband, as a man of God, he had to walk in a way that was pleasing to God. And the life that he had done with the secular world praising him has literally was destroying his wife and his marriage. And he just said, I'm walking away from that. And he never went back. Went on to form a group called Promise Keepers in the United States that had an incredible ministry. So in summary, when we think of husbands and wives, we think of Ephesians in chapter 5. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Husband, wife, Jesus, the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Then in verse 20, children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Maybe we should have kept the children in for this part, right? (laughs) Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. I think there's not so many children here, but if you're here as a youth, your number one thing is also to love God. Parents will make mistakes, but that doesn't let you off the hook from obeying them, honoring them, and loving them. To love God means to love your parents and to obey them. Verse 21, men, you're on the hook again. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Fathers, twice now, you're getting addressed. (laughs) Don't provoke. To provoke, it means to cause someone to feel resentment, to make someone become bitter, to kind of stir them up. See, the end result is that they can become discouraged. Think about that. We have the power to discourage our children. To discourage, it means to dishearten, to to break their spirits. How many children today are just broken because they were crushed by their fathers? And so Paul's warning here, don't provoke them. 
We want them instead to be raised up. And we see that in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Verse 22, slaves. Let's change that to being a worker in the workplace here. Obeying everything, those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. So when we begin to think about our role in the workplace where we have bosses over us, what is he saying to us? What is our principle? If we want to love God, then we don't look at it that I'm just working for a company or for this boss or this situation, but I'm actually working for God. And we see this in, in Ephesians in chapter 6. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, as you would Christ. Not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man. See, part of our freedom is going to come when we realize that God has given us work. And when we go out, no matter where we're working, what we're doing, or who we're doing it for, ultimately, we want to do it for God. Therefore, we want to do the best job that we can do, regardless of how the boss or the company is treating us. Because ultimately, we're serving God in what we do. If you need to change your job, if you need to go somewhere else, there are total, uh, complete situations where there's injustice. Change your job. Move somewhere else. But today, make sure that you love God today. And loving God is that people will see in you you're a hard worker. And it's not for anything else but that we really love God. He goes on then in Colossians chapter 3, knowing that the Lord will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord, for the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done. There's no partiality. Masters, treat your slaves justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. And in Ephesians 6, obey your earthly masters, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord whether he is a slave or free. Masters do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their masters and yours is in heaven and that there is no partiality with him. And one of the frustrating things for us in our workplaces when we are in an unjust situation or we're being persecuted and we see these things happen to us, you haven't been paid, they steal your passport, and the list can go on and on and on. Part of our frustration is we feel there's no justice. They're getting away with doing this horrible stuff. And why I'm encouraged here is that God is saying they're not going to get away with it. That God is going to hold everyone account for their actions and they will pay 
on that day. But not only that, for us, when you respond in a godly way, when you respond in love, when you respond in the way that the Scriptures say, in the face of that kind of bad stuff, you know what? God is recording that. And because our God is just, on that day, your reward will come. He will make everything right. Every time that you have gone through something that is unjust and you have stood in a godly way, God is going to recognize that. You have not wasted your sorrows or your tears on this earth. And we can go forward with confidence. We don't need to have any kind of anger and bitterness inside at the situation because we know one day God will make it right. And for each one of us, those books are going to be opened and it will become common knowledge how you responded with patience when you were abused. You know, all the context here obviously is, is more slaves and in terms of the home, it's different than maybe the slavery we think of today. But I know from my country, you know, when I think of the United States of America and the, and the issue of slavery back in our country. And you know what? There's just this part of me that says, when I get to heaven and I see those thrones close to the Lord Jesus Christ, they're going to be full of slaves. They're going to be people who love Jesus in the face of incredible suffering and persecution. And our just God is going to give them that reward. And for all of us, we can have that as we move forward and we think about the life situations that, that we're going to be in. So people, just in closing, we love God. Wives, you demonstrate your love for God by loving your husband, submitting to him, to his authority. Husbands, you demonstrate your love for God by loving and serving your wives. Children, you demonstrate your love for God by obeying your parents. Fathers, you demonstrate your love for God by encouraging your children, bringing them up, raising them up to know who they are in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then for all of us as workers with jobs in this country, we love God. We demonstrate our love for Him by working heartily for the Lord with sincere hearts in everything that we do. Father, we thank you for this passage again where you're taking us deeper in our actions and how we work and live and treat one another and so father we would just uh, ask that you would help us to to know what this means in our own lives to first love you and then to apply that in all these different situations